0: I know a lot of people in, the, in this space of longevity who are trying to live the best life, the most healthiest life, and there are people who are just so against meat, Yeah. okay? Where do you sit? Like, okay, my, a better question would be, why are you not plant-based?
1: Because I feel like protein quality matters.
0: Okay. Uh, if you're accounting for muscle mass, strength, and longevity.
1: Yeah, yeah for the, I mean, especially, okay, especially for me personally the amount of muscle mass that I carry, the sheer amount of carbohydrates that I feel like I would have to consume to get adequate amounts of protein for me would be far more than I would want to consume. I consider myself a relatively low carb guy. I thrive on a moderately low carb diet, like under maybe 120 grams of carbs per day. But I also feel like when you truly look at the protein digestibility indispensable score, amino acid score, and you look at the PDCAA, and you truly look at the numbers, you can't deny the literature that in a non-truncated form, you look at like go being able to go over 100 like animal-based proteins are higher quality and are more bioavailable and the next best one that's plant-based is going to be soy which I really don't have a problem with I've done a full circle on soy like I think if you can get good quality soy like it's probably not a huge problem unless you're really overdoing it but you know soy is like somewhere in the 90s on the DIAAS score whereas like whole milk powder or say like eggs or pork are 130, 140, which means they're literally going over 100% bioavailability as measured coming out of the ileum. So when you look at amino acid availability, I'm like, how do I get the most bang for the buck? But I'm also not gonna lie. Like, I like eating meat. It feels good to me. I feel good on it.
0: And you're definitely up to date with your lipid profile. So why not? Yeah, I think that's the biggest reason, right? People are like, well, I'm trying to limit my saturated fat. Yeah,
1: my total cholesterol is 140. Like, I mean, it's like super low. And like, it's when you look at meat in general also just things like taurine things like creatine like i don't want to take a lot of supplements i mean i do take creatine and i do recently started taking taurine but like that's like we're gonna get those from meat period so it's like when you start looking at and i'm not an animal-based guy and like that's the thing is like i fully respect and appreciate people that are plant-based i just think that you might have to like plug a few holes in your rowboat if. Yeah, your plant-based. Like, I got to plug this hole because I need creatine. I got to plug this hole because I need some taurine. I got to plug this hole because I need more B12. Yeah, You know, and I'm like- Even the ALA. Yeah. Like, yeah. The more that I feel you have to start plugging holes, that, as far as my brain deficiency, that just kills me. Like, I want to focus on my life. I want to focus on living a vibrant life, enjoying my family, enjoying my kids. And I don't want to have to take B12 or have to take creatine because my performance is going to decline or my brain's going to decline, right? Like, it just doesn't make logical sense to me. However, I fully support many of the arguments from the plant-based community. We diverge on the protein discussion to a degree, only on the protein source. When I t- talk to Simon Hill, like, we both agree that having high amounts of protein is great. High amounts of protein is the literal only thing that we disagree on as far as the plant-based community is the source of protein. I'm a huge proponent of fiber. I'm a huge proponent of flax. I'm a huge proponent of polyphenols. I'm a huge proponent of vegetables. So I'm definitely not an animal-based guy. I just feel like we truly should be eating omnivorously. But, again, that's just
0: me. Yeah, I have a post going out probably some t- sometime today or tomorrow and it's that I actually generally feel sorry for the population of people who think that plants are going to kill them. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild world we live in. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't clicked subscribe on Apple iTunes or Spotify, please go and do so. And as a quick reminder... The best way to get these podcasts out to people is by sending them to somebody you know. So for this episode, this short bite-sized clip from Thomas DeLauer and myself, think about who might need this the most. Do you have a friend? Do you have a partner? Do you have an aunt? Do you have an uncle that is struggling with the basics of health and you want to get them the best information available? send this to them. It doesn't take long. But you mentioned hormesis before and hormetic stresses. Now, something that I think is prevalent is people moving away from the biggest levers, which is sleep, sunlight, nutrition, and exercise, not getting that down packed and going straight to the cold bath or going straight to the sauna. And I have a very strong philosophy and it's like, can you even, if you can squat your body weight or if you can't squat your body weight yet, then you shouldn't even be supplementing. You know, supplements should be the should be at the top of the tier along with all of these really fancy, you know, red light therapy, all of these, unless you've got your sleep dialed in, your exercise dialed in, your um, nutrition dialed in, what's the point of going through and doing these accessory items? So I want to talk about what hormesis is and some of the different things that you implement to basically, you know, achieve a hometic response
1: yeah i might steal that by the way about the squatting your body weight thing because i think that's really important like you've got a large amount of people that are you know living in their mother's basement you know not able to like (laughs) not wanting to work out not wanting to work not wanting to do anything for themselves but they're taking five minute cold showers because you know what i mean it's like okay like you're putting the cart before the horse like this isn't going to save your life like doing this cold shower might be a catalyst for something or taking these supplements might you know help you xyz but i think you need to get your priorities in order first and do the big things that are difficult you need to exercise you need to get a job you know things like that before you start saying like well i want to increase my brain performance okay well let's let's work on these things first but with hormesis like it sounds like it's such a simple concept on the surface and it is right it's just you know Allowing, you know, creating a stressor or applying a stressor enough to the point where you develop a little bit of resiliency for it. But it's not as black and white as that makes it seem either, right? You get this thing called the hormetic curve, which again, I am not a subject matter expert in this. I'm more of a, a generalist that's just kind of hopelessly my own N of one. But, you know, uh, uh, Hormetic curve is essentially where you know you apply a stressor, a stressor, a stressor, a stressor until so you get the maximum benefit. But then, if you look at the hormetic curve, it sh- drops sharply, right? So, like essentially, like once you have gotten to a point of extreme stress, you get that point of extreme stress, and that is where people that are athletes take a little help, right? Like that's when supplementation can come into play because yes, it can change that hormetic curve a little bit more to where you can handle more stress and essentially get a bigger adaptation. Like you look at performance enhancing drugs, if you look at steroids, that's exactly how they're working, right? They're enhancing your recovery, they're enhancing the ability to withstand more so you get a greater adaptation. So, but I encourage people to look at hormetic stressors at sort of a micro level, like, because if you're paying attention to the different stressors you have in your life, you have your big grandiose hormetic stressor of life, and inside that big hormetic curve, you've got all these little hormetic curves that create that curve, right? and I'll using myself for as an example. If I'm in marathon prep and I'm also lifting and I'm also raising two little kids and I also get in a fight with my wife and then I go jump in a cold plunge, like that cold plunge might just tip me over the edge, right? So it's all about like balancing these stressors against one another and being able to know like okay, what is too much. And sometimes we don't have anything arbitrary or like Subjective rather to really show us like when we've gone too far and If you're not careful like you either overdo it Or you pull levers and you stress yourself so much in categories that have a minimal impact and At the end of the day the stressors come back down to like, okay, how do I mildly stress myself with exercise? How do I mildly stress myself with a little caloric restriction here and there and rotate your stressors. Mildly,
0: that's the word, yeah. Yes,
1: mildly and rotating. You know, it's like we all go through blocks. Like I don't necessarily recommend, unless you're highly trained, going through a block of, you know, maybe a a three-day fast and intense exercise. Like, yeah, I mean, you can do it and you might be fine, but is it optimal? Like, you know, as Brad Kearns would say, like, you know, you're not getting that benefit. So hormesis is just a really fragile concept because it can easily get broken. And with too much data, it's, it, it can be detrimental.
0: Oh, yeah. But how does it relate to longevity?
1: Oh, well, Because if you think about it from the perspective of, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Then that's what it comes down to, right?
0: Survivability.
1: But, again. Yeah. It's, you know, how do you get tougher? How do you get more resilient? So yeah. you've got the two sides of the coin. I don't know if you ever remember, like the anti-fragile concept. Yeah. You know, where it's like if you just become as tough as possible, you don't want to be fragile. And that's goes deeper than just that on the surface it's little things like even coming down to you could back it up and say okay I don't want to obsess over my sleep patterns because if I obsess over my sleep patterns I've basically in turn become fragile when in reality logically you're doing the opposite you're trying to be not fragile you're trying to be like I want to get sleep and I want to be able to be prepared to take on the next day but in an effort to do that you've made yourself fragile because you're obsessing so anti-fragile concept comes back to the super wide angle view of I don't give a shit. Yeah. But with I don't give a shit also comes I don't give a shit what I eat. So how can you balance that to say I don't give a shit, but I also care enough to nourish my body properly and to exercise?